You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, do me a favor. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 22. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and jump right in. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they started out. As Jesus sailed across, or as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke Jesus up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wave, though he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. So they arrived in the region of Gerasene, across the lake from Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke out of them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered into the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in the region of Gerasene begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home, saying, No, 
go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went to, through all, all of the town, proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. I want to try to and walk us through Luke 8, verses 22 through 39, and help each of us understand that Luke wants us to see Jesus demonstrating that he is God through his authority and power. His authority over all things on, under heaven and earth. Creation that is seen and unseen. And because he has all power, we can place our faith in him. And he uses that power to deliver freedom from darkness and captivity. The title of this message today is Out of Control. Out of Control. And if there's, there's one thing that I want you to walk away with this morning, it's this. That my freedom is in the power of Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we so humbly ask that you would just be here present, that you would still our hearts and our minds as we dive into this passage to learn how others who saw this with their own eyes testified to how great you are to how amazing you are, to how powerful you are, to how, how you, Jesus, are God, the one with the highest authority over all things under heaven and earth. And so, Father, I ask that you would just be in the midst of everyone watching this right now, that they would just be so focused and that all of their distractions would be wiped away and that they would keep their eyes fixated and their ears open, tuned in to listening, that you would speak through me, though I'm not worthy to be spoken through, that I'm not worthy, God. I'm not worthy to be used by you to speak your word and your truth. But I'm so humbled, Father, that you would want to use me in this message to speak a truth to anyone who may be watching this message this morning. And so, Father, I ask that you just remind us of your grace, your truth, and your mercy, that you would just be here present, and that by the end of this message, we would come out more excited about you, more in love with you, knowing more about you, and more confident in the kingdom that is to come, and our ability to participate in the things that you wish to do through us in this world, to prepare it for your return. And so we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I have a question. How many of you love Starbucks? Do you go to Starbucks on a regular basis? Well, I have been working for Starbucks for about almost three, almost four months now. And while working at Starbucks, uh, I have learned a couple of things. And one of those things is that Starbucks is the definition of high stress. And this past Monday, uh, it was a perfect example. 
I was asked to move. I usually work the drive-through window, and I was asked to move from the drive-through window over to the ovens where we cook up all this scrumptious food that Starbucks offers. And when I got over there, I could see why they had asked me to move because there were dozens of tickets lined up that needed to be fulfilled, both for people outside and inside. And so I'm like shoving like, you know, food in the oven. I'm putting little cute little birthday cakes and little baggies and slide them down the table off to the drive-thru window so they can be sent out. Because, you know, if you go through the drive-thru, we want you in and out by the time you order your food in like 45 seconds. So we're trying, we're just moving all around, shoving stuff in the oven, closing it up, putting stuff in bags, using tongs so we're not using our hands and not touching your food. Oh, and at the same time, I'm also having to help refill ice for other baristas. I'm also having to turn around and take orders for guests who have come inside who want to take, who want to place an order inside and hang out. And so I got to do an order for them. And I'm just running all yonder back and forth doing all sorts of stuff. My shift supervisor comes over to me and asks me, he says, Caleb, how are you feeling? And I, I was wearing a lot of hats. So honestly, I said, I'm feeling a little out of control. A little out of control. Have you ever felt out of control? Have you ever felt out of control? I think at some point, Every single one of us feel out of control. When, when, our, when your kids are running all over the house screaming like a bundle of barbarian baboons, when life, work, and everything in between is, is coming and flooding all at once, when we have several projects finished that are past due and we just don't have the time to get it all done, when we, we feel out of control when a family member becomes sick, This year, we've been faced with a global pandemic, and a virus has flooded through our country. And and, and you never know whether you could contract it. Where, from, when, and you can try to be as safe as you can, as some of our own have learned. You can be as safe as you possibly can, and yet you're still at risk of contracting the virus. In its own way, We are out of control. Each of us may know someone who's been affected by this virus. Do they feel in control? Probably not. Probably not. But here's the thing. We who are called as Christians, who are called by God, we're called to be witnesses of God's goodness and his love and his grace to the entire world. And it's, 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 it's not so easy when life is crumbling all around us. It's not easy to be kind, patient, or loving, or gentle when we feel out of control. It's important, however, for us to understand what to do when we feel out of control, how to, how to handle these circumstances, what, what, in what way should we respond? We need to know these things because when we're out of control, we're vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, we're at risk of being unbalanced. And when something or someone is unbalanced, it can be easily knocked over. The enemy, hear me clearly, the enemy wants you to be knocked over. The enemy wants you to be defeated. The enemy wants you to be unbalanced. He wants you to be knocked over. But God does not want you to be defeated. God does not want you to be knocked over. He does not want you to be outsmarted or outwitted or overcome by the enemy. He wants you to stand strong. 
to be victorious and to resist the enemy. And sometimes that's what you need to remind yourself of. Sometimes, maybe today, even maybe right now as you're watching this video, you need to tell yourself that God doesn't want me to be knocked over. God wants me to be more than a conqueror. God wants me to resist the enemy. God wants me to be someone who will resist and stand strong and not be shaken or stirred up by anything in this world. But God wants me to be a child of God who's confident in him, who won't be knocked over. Maybe you need to remind yourself of that today. God doesn't want you to be knocked over. But, but hear me clearly. He does want you to be vulnerable. And in fact, what God wants us to, to know and wants us to be aware of is not only should we be uh, out of control, God wants us to relinquish control over to Jesus over to Jesus. And so if this is your first time tuning in, uh, for this whole past year at Westwind Church, we have been in a series throughout the book of Luke called The Real Jesus. The Real Jesus. And that's because Luke's primary purpose of writing this letter back in first century AD, to sh- his purpose of writing this le- letter was to show the person he was writing to and the rest of the world who Jesus really is. He gathered eyewitness accounts and compiled them together as testimonies of people who saw this man with his very own eyes. With their very own eyes, they saw him. They saw him do amazing things, and they testified to who he really is. Jesus is not some first century hippie with some good quotes. He's actually way more amazing than that. He's better than you could possibly imagine. Many proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. And if you attend Westwind Church, you've been attending for a while. Back in January, the first Sunday of the year, we actually talked about how the Messiah would not be what many of Israel expected. Uh, In fact, uh, this expectation brought a a little bit of frustration to those who were some of his cheerleaders. In Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist, he was, he's desperate. Like, he's, he's desperate to know whether Jesus is truly the Messiah. They expected the Messiah to be someone who would come and establish God's kingdom on earth. And through that, what that would mean is that, that, that the Messiah would liberate them from their oppressors. They, they thought it would mean the, the Messiah would liberate them from the Romans, who were their current oppressors, the military occupation of the Roman, Roman Empire. And so when Jesus starts his ministry, he began to preach the gospel, what is known as the gospel. And that was recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And Jesus himself says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the gospel. So they were excited, but so far throughout Jesus's ministry, um, he, didn't, he didn't bring like armies. He didn't, he didn't uproot the Roman, the Roman empire. He didn't kick them out of Israel. He so far hasn't set them up as like the top dog of the world. And so he hasn't done what they have expected. And so a question that brought, was brought up is, is he to be trusted? Is Jesus to be trusted? Have you ever wondered whether you could trust Jesus? Uh, have, have you ever wondered when you could trust Jesus when life doesn't go the way you expect? When circumstances actually are worse than you could possibly imagine? They keep getting worse and worse. Is Jesus truly to be trusted? Why then does the world seem to get worse and worse? Why then, if Jesus is to be trusted, does it feel like it's getting more evil and evil? Is he to be trusted and followed? 
Well, in this passage that we read, Jesus and his disciples are out on a boat. They were in Galilee, and they were on a boat, and he he, he says they were going to go across the lake. Now, this is super shocking to the disciples, but we're going to find out about that in just a little bit. But when they're on the boat, when this big storm hits, like the winds and the waves, they're they're moving back and forth, and and they're coming about, and, and they're starting to freak out a little bit. Why? Because they're not in control. And some of these disciples are fishermen, mind you. They're fishermen. They know how to sail boats. They've been, this ain't their first rodeo. They've been in storms before. So hear me clearly, if they're all in a boat with pro fishermen and they're freaked out by the storm, it must be pretty bad. So they're freaking out because they're out of control. And, they, and if they're scared, it means they know that they're at the mercy of the storm. They're at the mercy of the elements. They're at the mercy of the forces that are outside of their control, whether they live or die. Yet what happens? What happens? What happens to, to the storms? It's, it's super interesting because Jesus, he, he speaks. He rebukes the waves. And the waves submit to him. The wind and the waves submit to him. He brings all that chaos into order and it obeys him. Look at, check out verse 25 for me. Luke chapter 8, verse 25. After he, he brings it to a still, Jesus asks them, he asks his disciples, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. What kind of voice obeys, or what kind of voice can command the wind and the waves? What kind of voice gives authority over the, the, these nature elements, these things that aren't persons, the, these are, it's the wind and the waves. What kind of voice could possibly command such uncontainable natural disasters? Only the voice that spoke them into existence. Only the voice with the power and authority that in the beginning that even gave them the ability to toss and to turn. Only a voice that in the beginning of time, at the beginning of all creation, that a voice spoke into existence and it came into being. This is the voice of the creator. And so in the same way, when the creator was in the middle of earth, when the creator was walking and he was in the sea, just like the beasts in Daniel's den when the jaws came shut, when the jaws of the waves and the wind were thrashing about, they too came silent and submitted to the authority of the creator. They submitted to the authority of the creator. So now Jesus, he asked them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Will you trust me? Will you trust me that all of this is working together for a future better than you could possibly imagine? Now, Jesus takes them to a town called Jedusim. This was a Gentile town. I don't really actually know if that's how you pronounce it. That's just it's my first guess. <laughs> and he takes them to this town. It's across the lake. And it's a Gentile town. It's a place where Jews would actually intentionally avoid 
So to them, it was kind of like entering enemy territory. They didn't go there. They actually would go make sure they avoided it completely. And when they land at this Gentile town, who comes out to meet them? Many demons who were possessing this man, a legion of demons. Now, if you don't know, according to the biblical worldview, demons are, are their spiritual beings. They were angels that, were, that rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven. And so they, they work to exploit our selfishness and inner desire to trust in our own strength. They're not for anything. They're anti-everything. They're, they're, their only aim is just chaotically thrashing around, dragging things into darkness because they're rebelling against God. And so they work behind the curtains of this world. You don't even recognize them. You don't even know that they're there, but they are present. They work in the midst of this world all around, manipulating and animating our greed, pride, selfishness, anything that corrupts God's intention for how the world ought to be and how we ought to live. And check out Luke chapter 8, verse 28. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke out of them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. The people placed him under guard and in chains, and yet he broke out of them. He broke out of the chains under the demon's power. This was completely out of their control. This is completely out of their control. But the moment they see Jesus, they shriek. They cower. And they beg for Jesus not to cast them into this abyss, to, not to torture them, because his mere presence is agonizing to him because he is holy and they are not. And they know who he is. What kind of voice do spiritual beings, things that we can't see, what kind of voice do they listen to? The same voice that spoke them into existence. The same voice that with authority cast them out of heaven. Cast them out and onto the earth. The same voice that when he speaks, they listen. Because he is the creator. And you see that they address him as such. They address him as son of the most high God. They recognize that Jesus has power over everything under heaven and earth. And there is only one person who has such authority, the author, the creator, God. Now, I want to remind you, this isn't some fairy tale, all right? This is a person who captured eyewitness accounts, who saw these things with their own eyes. This is a man who collected testimonies of people who saw these things and shared them with other people and and testified to them, real events that happened in history. And so Luke wants to show us in this passage, in this chapter, that Jesus has power over the world that we can see and power over the world that we can't see. 
He is the author and the creator because Jesus is God. Jesus displays these powers and healings to show who he is and who we should place our faith in. The, uh, the one who has control over everything we can see and everything we can't see. And with all this authority and power, with all of this ability, what does he use his power and authority for? To set captives free. To set captives free. John 10.10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. The demons came to drag everything back in the darkness. The demons came to to, to mess, to possess this man, to, to kill, to steal, to destroy. But Jesus came using all of his power and authority... To give life. How does he use his, his power and authority? How does he give life? He uses it by fulfilling something that was told about him a long time ago. In Isaiah chapter 61. To proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom from the captives. To release them from darkness. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn. Jesus uses his power and his authority as God to bring liberty to not just Israel, but to all the nations. And that is why Jesus brings these disciples across the lake into enemy territory. He brings them across because he wants to show that God's kingdom is not just for Israel. The Messiah is not who you expected because the Messiah is not just going to make Israel the top dog of the world. In fact, God's kingdom is wants to extend to all nations across the whole world that everyone would experience God's grace, his love, and his, 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 his glory and his holiness and everything that is good, that could be perfect. God wants to bring all the nations into this. And so Jesus takes them to this enemy territory and uses his power to heal this man healed of these, uh, who was possessed by these demons so that they could see with their own eyes that even the outsiders, the Gentiles, even they can experience God's glory. They can experience God's kingdom. When we feel out of control, when, when darkness feels us, if it's crushing down on us, we should remember and declare a truth that we can learn from this passage, and that's this, that my freedom is in the power of Jesus. Your freedom, your release from captivity, your release from addiction, the key to unshackle the chains of your own slavery, the truest source of life, is found in the power of Jesus, resting in his authority and his wisdom and his love and his kingdom, which will be established on earth and is soon to be fulfilled. Your freedom is in the power of Jesus. So how can you find freedom in the power of Jesus? You have to reflect on Jesus' question to his disciples, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Demons are, demons are real, all right? I want you to hear me loud and clear. Demons and angels, they're real. God is real. And they work in ways that you can't see. And most of the times, you're not even going to realize it. 
You're not going to be aware of it most of the time. But how do you know they're at work? Because they want to bring your selfish nature to life. They want to work to get you to focus on what, what you think is right, what, what I think is right, what I think is best, what's best it fulfills for me, what, what makes me happiest, what is, what is all about me, what I want. They work to animate these things. But where should your faith be? In the power of Jesus. Where is your faith? In you? In how you can handle a situation? Or will you have the same response as the disciples? Verse 25, verse 25. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the waves and the wind obey him when he gives a command? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him, that even the demons and the spirits obey him, that even the moon and the stars obey him, that even my problems and struggles will obey him, that my, even my doubts and my insecurities should obey him, that even my anxieties and my problems and my oppressors and my oppressors should obey him that at the end of time everything and everyone should obey him why because he is Jesus who is this man he is the son of the most high God he is the Messiah and the Messiah means anointed one and the anointed one who comes to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah foretold Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3 reads that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, anointed one, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. When you reflect... On the love of Jesus, when you reflect on who Jesus is, that should lead you to reflect on how much power Jesus truly has. He is in control over everything under heaven and earth. When you choose to trust in him, when you choose to learn more about him through the scriptures, you will know of his redemptive plan for the rest of the world to make all things that were wrong to make them right leading you and I to be on a mission, to be leading you and I to be on mission in this hurting and broken world, to suffer along Christ as we take on the brokenness of this world so that it will, be, it will embrace the freedom that Jesus' power offers. My freedom is in the power of Jesus. When the enemy wants you to feel out of control, like darkness is crushing down on you, anxious, like everything is crumbling down if you don't fix it. You have to tell yourself, no, I am a child of God. And, and instead of, of freaking out, instead of, of, of giving in and thinking that it should be under my power, that I have to fix this, that instead I will trust in the power of Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm a child of God. He came to rescue me, to liberate me, to empower me, to prepare me for a kingdom where all nations will be brought in together. And he wants to include me in the mission of bringing that kingdom here on earth. And so in this moment, in this situation of my struggles and circumstances, I'm not going to trust in my own power. Rather, I will trust in the power of Jesus, which brings freedom.
brings freedom. What would it look like if each of us chose to find our freedom in the power of Jesus? I imagine that we would have a similar response to the demon-possessed man. You see, the man asked after he was freed if he could join Jesus. And instead, Jesus told him, no, go back to your family. Go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. And so what does he do? He goes and proclaims through the whole town the great things that Jesus has done for him. Even though the demons were not good, the man would now be able to go back and tell the town, I was once possessed by many demons, but the power of Jesus set me free. Would we have the same response, church? That I was once addicted, but then I trusted in the power of Jesus and he set me free. That I was once trapped in darkness, but then the power of Jesus set me free. I was once broken, but the power of Jesus has set me free. I was once shackled, but Jesus set me free. Will you trust in Jesus? Will you place your faith in him? Where is your faith? Because your freedom is in the power of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've given us. And and Father, we, we ask that you would just remind us of how good you are, of how amazing you are, how powerful you are, that through every circumstance of life, God, we would trust in you because you are good, you are loving, you are the author, the creator of heaven and earth. And when we trust in you, when we trust in your power, when we realize and submit to the reality that you are God, the author of heaven and earth, the creator, the anointed one, the son of the most high, who came to set captives free, to release those others from darkness, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to, to do all of these things and to bring us into a kingdom where all nations, every tribe, every ethnicity, every gender, every person would come together and worship the Lord. Lord, our God, and experience true freedom. God, would we trust in that power? Would we trust in you and, and, and let your power be the one that fills us up, that we could go and proclaim your goodness and your freedom to the world, that they would experience the same freedom, the same power. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.